Welcome to Basic Snitches! Oh. I'm Adam. I'm Tara. And it's time to get your rocks off, because we have Roxanna Bell. Jesus. In the flesh. <laughs> yes, she's in the flesh. Yes. She's I want everyone friend. to know that I have not seen Adam in IRL since, like, maybe 2019. Yeah. It's been, oh, no, Street that's broken. not true. That's not true. Remember that pool party? That we went to oh, and we were all yes. drunk and oh, it was yes. great. So, so actually, 2021. JK, so it was 2021. Like a year. But it's still been a minute. Yes. It's yes. been a minute, yes. So, yay! We have Roxana. She'll be here today for today's chapter, which is chapter six of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Draco's Detour. Whoa, we looked at each other and timed that for once. We are so good. We did it. Okay, well, now we can retire happily. Yeah, okay, well, we'll see you next week. We'll have Roxana for this chapter and then next episode, which we'll get into what that is at the end of this episode because it's not chapter seven. Let's take a moment to acknowledge our lovely Patreon supporters, Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Jen, Layla, Mary Beth, Megan Nisi, Olivia, Nicole, and Raph. As always, you can become one of our lovely patrons at patreon.com slash basic snitches for only $3 a month. Or, of course, you can join one of our higher tiers for exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every one of our episodes. And this week, we are going to play a game that is an actual, like, game, like a hard copy of a game, you probably will recognize this one. What happened in the last chapter? Because the last time we recorded that, it was like a month ago. So the last chapter was An Excess excess of of Slam. Oh, yes, okay. Okay. It's like my daily existence. (laughs) Right? Except this one is a French person. Hey! So who do you think won it lost? It's tricky, because I feel like everybody was pretty standard. Let me see what my points were for that chapter. <laughs> I'm going to give the win to either Molly or Ginny. I say that like I'm giving the win. I'm assuming that the win is Molly or Ginny. And I'm going to give the loss to Percy. Okay, so neither of those are correct. But okay. That's okay. There are two winners of the chapter. There's a first half of the chapter winner and a second half of the chapter winner. Because the first half of the chapter was probably Harry. Like, he was... Here, so Harry wins the first half of the okay, chapter. Okay, see, exactly. Because right. when everyone is being critical of Fleur and Harry and Ron are, like, sticking up for her, Harry is, like, honestly sticking up for her. Yeah. And Ron is just being Ron, which is fine. Like, I'm not I'm not taking anything away from him, but all the women are being terrible to her. Yeah. That being are. said, Hermione kind of kicks ass at the end of the chapter, she so does. she wins the second half of the chapter. And the loser of the chapter, I think, is Mrs. Weasley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a really hard look to be, like... I understand that you're like, I'm going to be protective of my children, but she's already so, like, double standard with her children. Like, the way she's so hard on Fred and George, she clearly is, like, willing to fuck around people's feelings for each other for Bill. And I don't think she's malicious. That's just where where her heart's hitting her, but I'm, I'm like, oof. Flora literally did nothing except for be a pretty French girl. Like, she might be annoying, but do we have to be, like maliciously being like how do we circumvent their relationship i just think it's gross yeah yeah that and is as true. an adult it's a hard one for me mm-hmm. so yeah, we talked a little bit about that double standard too which yeah. actually is a really great transition into this chapter <laughs> i just had those today that's all i'm gonna say okay cool oh tara has a new catchphrase everyone <laughs> 
Roxana wrote a thing, and I am going to it's, read it. It's really bad, everybody. I'm sorry. I don't believe you. That sounds like something Tara would say. I wrote it this morning. Well, actually, it wasn't that early, but I just wrote it really fast. All right, let's read it and find out if it really sucks. It's not great. I padded it a little bit. We um, just add in extra sentences, but they don't, they don't really tell you anything. Wow, <laughs> really selling this segment, Roxana. <laughs> Chapter 6, Draco's Detour. The chapter opens with Harry having a pleasant end of summer break with the Weasleys at the burrow. Harry is thrilled since he gets news that he will be Quidditch captain when he returns to Hogwarts. While Harry is trying to have a nice time ahead of returning to school, all the occupants of the burrow are aware that things are changing and times are becoming very dark and dangerous in their world. The Weasleys, as usual, arrange a back-to-school shopping trip to Diagon Alley to get everyone's school supplies. The whole group, Harry, Ron, Hermione, and the Weasleys, including Ginny, arrive at Diagon Alley, and Mrs. Weasley remarks that many of the biggest shops are abandoned, including Ollivander's, and the once-crowded streets are sparse. At Diagon Alley, the whole group meets up with Hagrid, who provides their security while they shop. Harry, Ron, and Hermione go to Madame Malcolm's shop for new robes as their first stop. At Madame Malkin's, they run into Draco and Narcissa Malfoy. Draco makes very discriminatory marks about Hermione being muggle-born, and Narcissa flat-out threatens Harry. Harry, being a boss, does not back down and challenges her to attack him in broad daylight. She backs down, and she and Draco exit the shop. Bye, losers! After the trio has gotten their new dress robes, they reunite with the Weasleys in Fred and George's joke shop, Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, which is positively buzzing with customers. Yay, Fred and George. While they are exploring the wonderful products that Fred and George have created, Harry spots Malfoy running down the street without his mother. Harry tells Ron and Hermione, and they use the invisibility cloak to leave the joke shop and follow Malfoy to Nocturne Alley. They follow Malfoy to Boyden and Burke's, and they use one of Fred and George's extendable ears to eavesdrop on the conversation between Malfoy and the proprietor, Borgen. Malfoy asks Borgen to fix something that Malfoy cannot bring into the store. Malfoy threatens Borgen and tells him that his family is friends with Fenrir Greyback. And Malfoy also insinuates that there is an object that Borgen will also keep safe in the shop, in addition to the object that is elsewhere. Malfoy swears Borgen to secrecy and tells Borgen to not even tell anyone in his family about this, including his mother. After Malfoy leaves, Hermione goes into the shop to see if she can figure out what Malfoy is keeping in the store. Because she's not all that convincing, he does not disclose anything, and she, Harry, and Ron make their way back to the joke shop and reunite with the Weasleys. That wasn't the bad. Yeah, it was actually like super informative, even though there's not a lot that happens in the chapter. Like it does take us through. Some it does. Timeline. I think. I mean, I think some things happen, yeah. and like it does move the plot along. And yeah. Yeah, that's totally fine. It doesn't need to be juicy. Right. <laughs> there's not a lot of fucking in this chapter, anyways. So when we open up. We learn about some new deaths and disappearances. Igor is dead. Yep, we knew that was coming. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) this is this is when. Because remember when we were reading the fourth book, I was like, this guy dies, and I was trying to remember when. I knew that it was just mentioned in some scene like that, and I couldn't remember where 
I just knew that it wasn't as soon as we thought it would be. Yeah. When I even talk about it, how he lasted longer than than they thought he would. would. Yeah. Now, when I say that is funny, I'm not talking about (laughs) Igor died. What a laugh riot. But exactly that. Now, what is kind of funny is how Fleur comes back. Mm -hmm. Igor is mentioned here. It's almost like a few of the characters that skipped over book five because it was so... Difficult and long, <laughs> yes. Adam's favorite book. It is definitely not. I can very confidently say that that's still going to be number seven once I'm done <laughs> through this project. But that is kind of important to mention. He's clean in house, Voldy. Yeah, I gotta get rid of this fucker. And then, do you remember when we were recording the last episodes and we were talking about the people that Slughorn had? Mm-hmm. And I kept on confusing Ambrosius with Florian Fortescue. Yes. I'm psychic because Florian is also missing. Yes. yes. And I don't know if they necessarily said like that he's dead, but the fact that he and then of course Ollivander are also missing. It's kind of a little bit of a wake up call in a tangible way because this whole book so far we've been obviously digging into some of the details now that he's back. We learn about, you know, it's affecting politics. Yeah. He talk about you know the precautions but here's some actual evidence of how th- things have changed and like in your thing Roxana you really talk about how desolate it is mm-hmm. and really now seeing the first like magical uh, area being so quiet yeah you know we talk about how the books slowly get more and more dark and whatever mm-hmm. this is an unsettling picture for all of us while we're watching Harry be unsettled, like, it's unsettling because we also are like, yay, we're going to Diagon Alley, like, we, mm-hmm. when we went to Diagon Alley last year, it was good times, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it wasn't, and I don't actually, they didn't end up going together last year, but you know what I'm saying, like, you think of Diagon Alley as good times, and it's not. Ollivanders. The things that make it Diagon Alley, it's, it doesn't feel like a good place to be. Yeah. I think it also it hit me different reading this, you know, sort of as we make our way out of a pandemic. Yeah. Because I think we experienced some level of, like, going to places and suddenly things were different. Suddenly yep. mm-hmm. things changed. There weren't people. I think she describes a lot of, like, people looking harried and worried and anxious, doing what you have to do to get through. And I feel like that was very relatable in this pandemic time. And it so that's really, what hit me really when I was reading it. And I was like, damn. <laughs> Which is as the first time when I read it when I was a teenager, like I wouldn't have gotten that sort of nuance, but I felt like she captured that sort of things changed and things are not normal anymore. Yeah. yeah. Very well for, you know, we, yeah. we all just experienced that. So yeah. that's it's, a really it's like, good it's like it hits you in, a, in, in an extra mm-hmm. relatable way. Mm-hmm. I know. I was yeah. like, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. This. And I think the choice of Florian Fortescue not being there and being one of the people who were kidnapped or whatever that kind of sets the tone because it's one of the fun areas mm-hmm. you, yeah. like, you know like ice cream ice yeah cream. there's definitely scenes in the past where Harry kind of hung out there and Florian was a cool dude and all of that so taking like at least a fun element away now we have another fun element that we will get into here shortly which is amazing yeah but I think that is the choice of why that particular very minor character was one of the kind of victims mm-hmm. that what are we calling the author in this chapter? A filthy rag. 
Filthy Rag! <laughs> I think that was Filthy Rag's choice. Yeah. <laughs> the names keep getting better and better, I think. <laughs> That's a new rule this season. We've been just, like, calling her a different name every episode. Oh, my God. Who must not be named. Filthy rack. <laughs> Literally, I was like, I don't know that. <laughs> so yeah, that is very key. Now, I apologize because I read this chapter when I was on the beach. Um, <laughs> and I, I wrote down Archie Philpot Probity, Probity Pro? The Probity Pro. Yeah, I completely, that is erased from my memory. What is that? It's what it sounds like. A Probity Pro. Oh yeah, like it's something that goes up the asshole. I mean, basically, it's something that is very invasive. Why is this mentioned, and why did I write it down? Probably because it goes because, up the booty all, but... Because they're talking about Elizabeth's <gasps> ring being... Yes. Oh, like, okay. very secure, that you could barely get into yeah. it. Yeah. Yes, and someone decided to stick this particular probe. I don't know what probity means. I think that that's just what the It must it. be, like, just really, really probity. Probe. It's a probity pro. It's proby. <laughs> it's a proby pro. It's extra. It takes a little bit more effort for you to like suck it up into your anus. And someone named Archie Philpot, which is a good name for someone to be sticking random shit up their ass and go into the bank. <laughs> uh, I, so yeah, I wrote that down. Here we are talking about stuff and things up their asses. And the next person I talk about is Dumbledore, but specifically that Dumbledore sent Hagrid as security. Aww. Which I think is nice. I love it. I love that. Now, we also already get a little bit of a swing up for Hagrid Redemption after the last book, which was Hagrid's probably worst book. Not if really through any of his own fault, but he's like raw meat for most of it. Yeah. It's not a great book for Hagrid. But now, of course, he has Wither Wings. Yeah. And then now he's also automatically brought back to like escort them to Diagon Alley, which even though... It is so desolate and empty and people are stressed out. It does harken back to, like, the origins of Diagon Alley at the very least. Yeah, anytime Hagrid is brought in, at Hogwarts, he's definitely something you don't really, like... He's an outsider. ...what he's gonna do. Like, he's... But, but I mean, as far as, like, how he conducts himself at Hogwarts, you're like, I can't really trust Hagrid as far as anyone can throw him. You take him outside of Hogwarts and you put him in a situation like this, he automatically makes everyone feel safer. Yeah. Even though, you know, a lot of people look at Hagrid as this, like, oaf and, like, not a smart person. And because we love Hagrid so much and getting to have moments where we get to see Hagrid back in that place where, like you said, that brings us back to book one, Mm -hmm. brings us back to Harry's first introduction to what this is. To me, Hagrid will always represent warmth mm-hmm. and always represent safety. Because there's the other thing is, even when Hagrid is like off his rails at fucking Hogwarts, like he is still trying to take care of everyone. Like that's who he is. I forgot that that's how this went, and then you know it was like Harry was relieved to see it was Hagrid, and I was like, yes, that's right, yay, Hagrid! Like I had this moment where you know, I was too. like, yeah, I love him. Well, he's he's the normality, right? So yeah. He's, he even though life is really weird and you know things are bizarre and scary, like they see Hagrid and it seems more normal. It's like yeah. okay, things may suck right now, but at least I have this person who I love and care for. And yeah. Like, 
And I think Hagrid's good in a crisis when he's not dealing with, like, magical creatures. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, he's good at that. Grounding. It will be a little bit interesting because I did some prep uh, when I was on vacation and read a few chapters ahead, which is unique. Usually I do, I read my chapters a couple days before we record, and a few chapters we also learn, so it'll be interesting, because I forgot about this, they are not taking care of magical creatures. No. And the chapter in question, and we'll get there in a few episodes, it ends on that. That's kind of like the dun-dun-dun moment that we often get (laughs) in these series. So it'll be interesting to kind of see that. Hagrid is someone, like, even in our fishbowl episodes, we've mentioned Hagrid now several times. And he has such a really rocky trajectory up and down roller coaster throughout the series. So it'll be interesting to continue to see how he is. But for now, in the present moment in this chapter, it really is so very nice. So yay, you go Hagrid. So yes, they're off to buy new robes. And they go to Madame Malkin's. This is really the first time I think that we get any like dialogue from Madame Malkin. Yeah. And she's great. Well... You get dialogue from Madame Malkin the last time Harry and Draco were in Madame Malkin's at the same time, which is the first book. Oh, yes. I guess that is true. And so yeah. Jerry, it's, it's a little less in that book. And I love the parallel to, yes. you know, Harry and Draco being there in the first book and them not knowing each other. Yep, absolutely. You can definitely see the narcissism. It's interesting coming off of the previous chapters because there's that chapter where they're at Snape's house. Narcissa is so much different. Like, totally it's different. really nine day. I mean, honestly, Narcissa is so interesting because I feel like, you know, again, shout out to my mother, but she always thinks of Harry Potter as really being about family and chosen family, and it's not about good and evil, it's just about family. And so, like, I think even Narcissa in that chapter is only she loves her child. Mm-hmm. Like, even if her child is dick yeah like yeah. she loves him and she's willing to be a protective maternal figure and i think yes there's night and day difference but i just think that's a really important moment for her yeah as a character and you get to see some of that depth i think in this interaction in this chapter it's surface mm-hmm. so you don't really see what's motivating you know you've seen it right. but like in that instance you're not seeing it like harry's not seeing it but like i think it's really important for the reader to like see her like that and to see her that vulnerable yeah like she's so vulnerable in that moment this being kind of very different from that vulnerable moment and Mm -hmm. she gets her redemption of course right Uh, we talked a lot about with the addition of slughorn how we start to see like different layers to slytherins right now we didn't focus too much about narcissa in that moment but she's another one where of course it comes off bad is threatening a child. Which totally. Is something, I know. Something the adults, adults in this quite book, a lot. in these books oh are God, so right. threatening to children. Yeah. 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 Now, you could also say, let's be a little bit of a devil's advocate here, that Harry is coming in really strong. Okay, but he's too bad. I don't like Team Harry in that instance. I was like, you stand well, up I for yourself, too, but boy. Yeah. Like, he, he is in there ready to be like, no, he's like, we're you, not going to be racist. Are you going to fight me? Like, you can fight me right Matt now. Matt is in the back snapping her fingers. <laughs> just like, everyone needs to like, right? <laughs> but hey. Harry react in this scene, I think the way that we wanted him to be able to react to Umbridge. Totally. Like he can bite back he at can. Narcissa mm-hmm. because she really can't do anything because 
everyone fucking knows that Lucius is a Death Eater. Mm-hmm. In, in the movie, he got to have the sassy little, I must not tell lies, professor. Like, whatever. He's a 16-year-old. Like, I know. I was like, good for you. Old. That's a good point is age. Because yeah. Yeah. especially in the earlier books we really talked about hey we need to remember like these are kids Mm -hmm. but now these are some formative years where you're really coming into your own coming of age is something we mentioned a lot in the last book too it's very important to note age the other thing is it's crazy to think this since umbridge gets carried away by the sagittarius is so far into (laughs) the last book but a lot has happened since then you know (laughs) like the political climate is completely different and kind of a good way because they're not sweeping things under the rug which is kind of relatable lately we're getting our karma you know which that's something that we've kind of noticed with some of these other earlier chapters too on top of that serious dying that also probably you know he went through more (laughs) trauma yeah more trauma and i hate to say that (laughs) i hate to bring up serious because i made jokes in the past few that Someone has to mention Sirius in every single chapter, and I don't think he's actually mentioned in this chapter. Maybe, I maybe I forgot. Not yet. Well, well I've I'm bringing him, him up then. But it's like it, that was such a pivotal moment for him, where now he may feel a bit more emboldened and really realize, yeah. okay, like people are gonna die. I wouldn't be surprised if he is already thinking, oh wait, Sirius isn't gonna be the only one to die from this, you know. Right. So he's kind of leveled up here, and I agree. I'm totally Team Harry. Team Harry in that moment. Yeah. For sure. Also, uh, shout out to the late great Helen McCrory. Yes. I cannot think of We've Narcissa done that as well, without yes. thinking of her and just how beautifully she did all of this and performed like, yeah. this role. In, in my mind, was able that to get is that her. depth, yeah. right, and to get that vulnerability while also being like real. Right. Scary. Like literally so, while having just think like, about three her. lines across I know three movies. I know. You know. Because yeah. this is the first movie you see her in. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's worth consistently bringing her up too as such her. a like great portrayal of this character. Yes. Another thing you said it in your thing, but I don't think we had mentioned it, is of course that Harry's Quidditch captain. Yeah, so here's my yeah. feelings about it. <laughs> Harry being Quidditch, I think there's a lot of people who are, like, anti-Harry being Quidditch captain because Alicia and Angelina are still there. Okay, so that was the thing. I was like, wait, Angelina was a seventh year in the last book? But she wasn't. No, no. Angelina is still there. I think. No, she was a seventh year last year. It's not Angelina, it's... Alicia Alicia and Katie Bell. Alicia and Katie Bell. Mm. It's like, there are two girls. And so part of me is like, oh, that would be, like, really great, you know, if we could have another girl captain like we did last year not everyone wants to be the captain so there was a lot of me like look on facebook and people like have conversations about this stuff this is a thing that i remember people saying like how is it fair that harry became captain because he's double his favorite and i was like first of all we all know mcgonagall chose the captain mcgah was like harry and she knows what's best and honestly i feel like those girls probably didn't want it or wouldn't have yeah. wanted it so that's my commentary and my initial reaction is like why like okay harry is the everything you know but that makes sense and like harry also is the kind of person that people rally behind and but it's just clearly like mcgah's most important passion (laughs) then protecting students but but the the other thing about it is i think it's so dumb that like if you're captain of the Quidditch team, you also get to have prefect privileges. I 
know. I was, I was like, wow, that's weird. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Was the filthy rag trying to set up like a scene in the prefect yeah. bathroom to make sure that that Harry was able to do that? Except for it didn't happen. So why the fuck does that matter? British it, schools are like that, though. When I go, <laughs> when I was in high school, I lived in South Africa and went to a like a formerly British school. Is a girl's school, and yeah, if you were a prefect or if you were just in the last year of school, grade 12, you like when you were at the boarding school, and I was there for a, a month boarding at the school, the like younger children would bring you things because you were in like grade 12. It was very bizarre. Wow, it's very hierarchical. It's very hierarchical. They you would get to use the bathrooms first, the showers first, other younger children would have to wait for you. <laughs> it's so weird. Wow, I mean, it's yeah, so weird. It almost makes you wonder, there's other clubs and whatnot, and, like, extracurriculars. If you step up to be a leader for one of those, do you also get these privileges? You know, is it stepping into a place of leadership? But to that other point, prefects and Quidditch captain are chosen for you. Like, you don't really... They, they were chosen for, like, at the school, we had prefects and a head girl and things like that. They were chosen for, like, we didn't get to vote, I don't yeah. yeah, or so, you don't, like, apply. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, then that's how it was in at Hogwarts, but I just, I don't know, to me, I'm just like, where gets all the things he wants. Yeah. It's, it's like retribution well. almost from the last book, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like, totally. It was just one of those things where I'm just like, okay, I rolled my eyes, but I totally still stand behind him being. Yeah, I do too. I like that you also said that Alicia and Katie very well may not want it. Like, that's important to know. Yeah. Like, I mean, of course, I would love to be like, yay, another female captain. And, you know, we've, we've known Alicia and Katie since book one. They also haven't been, like, as robust of a character as Angelina, too. They've sort right. of always been in the background. Now, Katie Bow, she gets a big scene in this book. Yeah. So. And, well, and the other thing is, like, you know, when, when Oliver left, it could have been one of the twins. Like, why was it Angelina? Because she was the seventh year. So, to me, it feels like if Oliver was captain for, like, the first three years, that was the person who Micah knew wanted it and would be the best leader, you know? So, that's why I'm like, mm, seniority doesn't make sense. So, getting mad about it seems silly. Yeah. I think there's more to it than just, oh, he gave it to Harry because he's the chosen one and these books are about him. Yeah. Rather than it going to Alicia and Katie, McGonagall is also very fair. She could very well have gone to the girls, and they were like, "You know what? Nah, not for me. Right. I just want to have like a standard set of last year at Hogwarts." Right. You know, there's like, nothing I wrong don't with that. I don't have to fucking worry about Critch. Like, look at what Angelina had to deal with last year with fucking everyone getting kicked off the team yeah. by Umbridge. There's you know, maybe just didn't want to deal with that, which yeah. is fair. You know, like. Harry pisses someone off this year and I lose him again. <laughs> right. Well, Give it to him. <laughs> the other thing with that, though, is that obviously Maga didn't ask Harry. So even if she did ask Alicia and Katie, maybe she was just like, Potter will do it. And they were like, yeah. He has he no will. say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's important to still bring that up, I think, since it's going to be present a lot here. After the whole Madame Malcolm's thing, they're getting their other materials. Harry still does not think that he's studying potions. I have a couple things with this. One of them is, wouldn't a class list arrive? So they, Don't they typically get that, like, the first they day? They get it, like, the first day. What happens in this book is that Enemigo goes over 
happens within the first like day of school, and then they get their schedule, you know, because magic. But I think that's so dumb. Mm-hmm. They get a supplies list. We've seen that happen. Right. But, like, Harry, you know, was told by Snape, or whatever, McGonagall told him that Snape doesn't accept anything but the top level in potions, and Harry didn't get the top level, so why would ever be any other thought in his head? When I was editing the last episodes, and we were talking about Slughorn, and how he does encapsulate those Slytherin qualities mm-hmm. without being evil. And, oh, you know, yeah. he's not the other houses because he's a coward. And you had even said mm-hmm. he was probably one of the first people to tell you that he's a coward. Yeah, totally. So then, and, like, if the readers are able to understand that in even that just first chapter, Harry is thinking that he's going to be defense against dark arts when he walks into a house where Slughorn is literally hiding. That should maybe set off an alarm yeah. of, like, wait a minute, this is going to be our defense against I the mean, dark arts? I mean, should it? Because, you know fucking Lockshark was defense against the Dark Arts. So well, that is like, fair, too. And, like, Dumbledore's just trying to get over the fuck he can get at this point. I, He's trying to I keep his school going, true. y'all. But didn't he also <laughs> say that he used to teach potions or something? No. Filthy rag the point to not, <laughs> not, not what he give taught. that information away in that chapter. So, you know, the first time I read this book, I was like, oh, like, I was right there with Harry being like, oh, oh, wait, what? And then you see the chapter titled Snape Victorious. Right. right, and you're like, oh, that's where we're going. Listen, chapter titles fuck me up the first time I read these, this series, okay? Wait till the seventh book, which I tell you about how chapter titles ruined my life. Because you flip to the page and you see things like... Will and won't. Right? And that was another one. I was like, what the fuck is this Well, that's, that's not quite what I'm saying. I'm talking about like how the title, when I saw Snape Victorious yeah. as the next chapter... I like, like Umbridge is now queen. Oh, I knew, I was like, <laughs> oh, I know what that means. Yeah. yeah. And then um, I'm talking about in Deathly Hollows when, right after Harry and Hagrid are attacked in the air, um, and then the last thing that happens is that they fall to the mm-hmm. earth, and the next chapter is called Fallen Warrior, and I was like, Hagrid. like I really, really, really thought that that was the end of Hagrid mm-hmm. because of the way that that was given to me, and I I had to put the book down. Yeah. You know, and obviously, we, we know what happens, and we'll talk about that in the seventh book, but sometimes these chapter titles fuck you up, man. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it, too. We've read these before. We know what happens. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there are those clues. Hey, guess what? Slughorn is not teaching the girls. Right. Oh, and I'm sure that they're there. Had Hermione been the one with Dumbledore, she'd have been like, oh, yeah, that's my explosion. Yeah. Like, she'd have known. Harry's like, uh, yeah, he's I didn't more believe like, Dumbledore was coming to my house until he came, you right, know? Right, right. And, like, even in the movie, he's just there along for the ride. So, yeah. he's not paying attention to shit. That's our Harry. And then, similarly, they keep mentioning this. Oh, Harry's not taking potions. Oh, Harry isn't going to take potions because he got an E and not an S or whatever. Maybe it was. Mm, yes. You know what I mean. He I didn't get the right saying, score. Yeah. Like, they keep mentioning it. It's almost like... Them mentioning Sirius all the time. It's like, okay, there's something to this, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's... I didn't think about that. Yeah. If you're really paying attention to that level, perhaps you would catch on to it as a first reader, but... So then, we go down to Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. Yes! And so much joy. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So proud of them. (laughs) So, I have to admit, when I was prepping for this 
again, I was on, <laughs> again, I was on vacation, but no, yeah, we heard. but also, <laughs> also, I fucked up again, and I had originally created a game for this chapter. It's crossed out now, so you still have to do your game, Tara, I'm sorry. But what I realized here is how many interesting products they have. They're so smart. I feel like there's like the perfect example of young people who don't do well in school necessarily, not because they're not academically gifted, but because they have other gifts. And they're like, fuck it, we don't need this place, and they leave. I'm like, good for you for yeah. like making this choice for yourself, and then they're so successful. I just think it's lovely. I love that. Yeah. I'm so happy for them and their success. And I, it's kind of funny because I feel like Mrs. Weasley's not that into it, but I'm like, if my child had like done and been that successful, I would be thrilled. I also just love, <laughs> clearly, there's no limit to what they can come up with. Yeah. You know, they're always talking about Zonkos and stuff in Hogsmeade, and it just feels like this is Zonkos is nothing, like, yeah. compared to this. They were so creative, yeah. and they're so smart. Yes. Like, you were saying, like, reading about all the products and stuff, you're like, these are... 18 year olds. I know. Yeah. And even Hermione's like, this takes some pretty advanced oh, magic yeah. to do some of the yeah. things in their products. And I feel like Fred and George are low key a huge part of how Hermione gets out of her like staunchy little bubble of like follower and this is whatever. Oh. Because like they are the always around. map. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, and that came from them. Like, it did come I from feel them. Like, without really realizing it, that they had like a hand in that without actually having a hand you know what I'm saying oh. there's just something about it because her the way she's like impressed with that and the, the rules that she breaks and stuff in, in the later books and they just I love them I love I them so her. much yeah. they make me so happy so when I think about to them leaving and Molly not necessarily liking that they didn't follow a path or whatever. Right. Very similar to school here in the U.S., things are so regimented, mm -hmm. and they really try to get you to, like, obey the path. Right, do school. But, yeah. like, you touched on it, Roxana, that Hermione even says there's a lot of advanced magic here, and you touched on creativity mm -hmm. they don't teach a lot of creative stuff oh. at Hogwarts but yeah. they don't also teach what I thought of which is business acumen or acu how, I don't know how to say that word acumen 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 sounds like something that you buy to rub on like your genitals I am I'm I'm <laughs> I am yeah. <laughs> yeah like but anyway you know what I mean they have what they need to do to be successful and entrepreneurs and stuff yeah. too it's phenomenal, and even the way that they're like, Harry, you were the one who donated this money to us. Everything's free. And then Ron comes around, and he's like, I'm your brother. He's, they're like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, it's it's so, it's so good. <laughs> yes. Now, let's talk about some of these products, because, yes. whoa. I think one of the number one products that popped out to me was the patented daydream travel? I know, yeah. It's like lucid dreaming, actual travel, and it said like not for under 16 because it's very likely something a little bit more advanced there. Another you one. You use it during the lesson, and I'm like, wow, I need yeah, this in Yeah, school. seriously. <laughs> And of course, we can't forget the Pygmy Puffs and lovely little Arnold. I love Arnold. Arnold is like the perfect name for him, too. 
if she named him anything else, I don't know if it would have that, like, quirkiness. <laughs> right. Are there any products that, like, popped out to you guys? So, for me, I don't know why, I think just, like, my morbid sense of whatever, but the reusable hangman. It's like, you gotta do it or he'll die. Oh my god. I just thought that was funny as hell. But also the day brain thing was Yeah, really that was what stuck out to me. That's amazing. Um, and this is our first decoy detonator introduction. I was gonna say that too. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's fine. When I, you know, when I read the book and then like when it came around. Did you get hint water in your eye? I did. <laughs> it like, I drank it and went bloop. Like there was a little. Like, and I went right in my eye. Yeah, no, I just like how the decoy detonator is mentioned, and yeah. then, like, it's totally around. I mean, and that, like, also demonstrates Fred and George's intelligence and, like, that they're wanting to even with their products, and even though they they want their customers to have fun and do all, like, they're still trying to protect people, and they're still trying to be a part of the resistance is the right word, yeah, but, like, yeah. in their own way, only they could really do. That's mm. really fitting for them. They're still trying to help yeah. people. So that's a good point, too. We couldn't touch on the introduction to the joke shop. And it's the you-know-poo sign. <laughs> oh and Hamali's like, uh, they gon' die. And they're like, <laughs> no, and come Mary's on. Like, like, oh, this is amazing. Right, right. <laughs> I really like getting to see, I mean, obviously we see most of the books through Harry's eyes. But seeing the joke shop through Harry's eyes, including this entrance to it. Because I remember at the end of the fourth book when he gives them the money and he's like, people are going to need to laugh like the yeah. understanding of what oh. that is as a 14 year old who just went through some severe trauma who's continued to go through severe yeah. trauma seeing it now in its production state like he's got to be like yeah i did do the right thing choosing to give it to them because yeah. not only are they making people laugh you go in and you find out that they're also helping protect people yeah yes so it's just such a really great little like full circle with them yeah the other uh, products that, because, you know, they go through other things like the Joe Cauldrons and Trick Wands. There's so many that. things. But the other one was Shield Hats. Because yes. that one was just kind of interesting, especially coming off of Aquamancy and all of that. Uh, what are the details of this particular thing? It's just really, really smart. It's a nice area of brightness, too, especially like we had talked about coming into Diagon Alley and it being a little darker. Taking a few mental points away from Fred and George and they're Jenny, why are you dating all the boys? I'm like guys someone has to give this bitch the benefit of the doubt because she got all the older brothers jumping yeah. in her throat. Yeah, I know that's what they do, but I'm like And oh. I think that she can handle herself. Too. Oh, she can, it's but fine. it makes me roll my eyes at them and I'm it, like, it does. Can, can like one of the six of you not be I just like to think, my headcanon is that Charlie is out there writing each other all the time and she tells Charlie everything about her boyfriends. I like it. Because, you know, I feel the rest of them are like huffery and like, oh, you can't date that person. Wrong. Like, pick someone better. Like, but, you know, so that's my headcanon. I like you saying that because, you know, my sister doesn't have six older brothers, but she has three. And especially coming off of vacation and seeing how, I mean, this vacation didn't my, open my eyes to this, but our family, you know this especially, they gossip far too much. Uh, people need to mind their own business. I think I shut myself, I'm not as interesting to the rest of the family because it's just me. 
you know, I, but Natalie, I think, gets the brunt of it a lot from not just my brothers, my sisters-in-law, but my parents and stuff, too. And at the end of the day, mind your own fucking business. Jenny can do what she wants. Right. She's also, you know, she may be 15, but still she's in that very important time in her life. And she fucking has dialogue now, so back the fuck off. She's badass as fuck, so... Yes. After they leave, now we go back to uh, Draco. And I kind of touched on this earlier, but the feeling that I get about this whole thing of him going into Borgen and Burks and his attitude and everything is kind of an offset from what we did see about Narcissa. We actually talked a lot more about Narcissa and how she is worried for him and stuff. And it almost paints Draco as like a victim in some sense through Narcissa's eyes. Mm -hmm. But Draco is like revving up his engine ready to go be like, I'm going to murder this motherfucker. Yeah, he wants to, his mission or whatever. Like I think that gives him a lot of like street cred for it. Like he wants to prove himself. Yeah. I think. And the ambition too behind that. I think overall Malfoy in this book is very interesting. I think you're right about how he does want to prove himself and we kind of see all this in the first half of the book and then of course as we get through the book later we realize how much he's struggling with it because he doesn't know how much he's going to struggle with it until he gets to Hogwarts. Exactly. It's a little bit too big for his Yeah. If we spent more time with Draco in this book like I know people are always like oh I'd love to read the books from other people's perspectives rarely do I want that but I would like parts of this book from Draco's standpoint because I think that that could be really interesting Mm -hmm. but yeah he's like this is all very deliberate I don't think he's being careful he's just being like my mom wants me to be safe and fuck that you know I'm a big man even though he's like four feet forever I'd still prefer to see, um, I forget the actress's name, but from Very Potter Musical. Oh, yeah, uh, Lauren something. Yeah, I loved that characterization during all of this. It's so Um, stupid, I love it. Yes, but it totally is. It's like, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna be a big man and stuff, and I'm gonna treat this adult like shit, and even though, I mean, he's, Borgen is also no, you know, spring chicken, innocent person. Yeah. Spring chicken means young. That's not what I meant. I meant, um, <laughs> he's, not, he's not the nicest person. But, I mean, Draco sort of, quote-unquote, handles him. Now, of course, of course, this is the Vanishing Cabinet. This is the Vanishing Cabinet. Yes. I love that I just didn't know what it was. I forgot. Oh. Well, I read these books, like, so long ago, and so now I, I forgot everything. So this is great. It's like I'm, I'm it's, reading yeah, it for the really first fun. time. Because we get to these parts of the books, and then we're like, Right. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times Adam will ask me, he'll be like, Wait, so what is this? And, you know, and I'm always like, well, it depends on how much you want to know and be reminded of. I love spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> I love the spoilers. Spoil me, Tara. Hey. That's what I scream at her every night. So, um, <laughs> in my notes, originally I had written, okay, this, this is the Vanishing Cabinet, right? Something made me realize, yes, this is definitely the Vanishing Cabinet, and I think maybe it was, like, the don't have anybody touch this thing. Also, like, this is the first mention of it, too. Now that I see it in my notes, I can't remember this, so maybe I fucked this up. There are, like, two objects, though, because there's the one that he can't see, and then he talked about something that he was keeping it 
in the store? Is it well, maybe like, more than one? It's thing? the other one. It's the oh, other one that's in the room. Okay, that's in the room of requirement. It is in the room of requirement. It is in the room of requirement. Yes. So, so there was something that made me realize that that's what it was. Uh, but then also, in movie five, am I wrong in what I wrote here? Because now I can't remember it. That the vanishing cabinet was in movie five at some point. I can't think of where it would be in movie five. Yeah, me I neither can't now. I <laughs> can't think of where it would be in any of the movies previous to this. It physically is in book two. Harry hides in it. Yes, that is correct. But I don't think it makes an appearance and before now in the movies. Okay, I don't know but why I thought... I mean, if it does, it's not making a, a real appearance other than it's just a thing that's there. Yeah. Obviously, you know, book five, we kind of didn't really want to in the movie, so, but... Well, it's not... It, I don't think it's in the movie at all in book five. Yeah. Okay, maybe, five. I, maybe I just made that up. The other thing here is that they're using extendable ears. Um, maybe that's what it is. Extendable ears. They're using extendable ears here. But I don't think that they mention them in the book until this point. But they do use expendable ears in book five. Because in book five, they're at Grimmauld Place. And the cat gets it. And the cat gets it. So that was kind of interesting. I'm certain now that that's what I was probably meaning here, rather than the vanishing cat. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Like, the book kind of jumped the shark on that one a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, really, the only other thing that I have about the book is Hermione going in and being like, Hello, sir, I'm looking for something. She did it so badly. The guy is like, seriously, I need to sit down. Like, (laughs) my favorite, though, is she really... She tried. She really thought she was doing something. It's one of my favorite things about Hermione is when she really thinks she's going to do something that's so not her. And, like, it's never successful because she's just so solidly who she is. But I love how Ron is like, I got something to say about it. She's like, well, next time you do it, bitch, she's the one who did the thing. Obviously, Harry couldn't go into They know who the fuck Harry is. So, whatever, because he's the one I probably trust to do that. Honestly, like, they always say it throughout the series. Oh, you have red hair. You're a Weasley. Which yeah. is, of course, an assumption that people make based on the color of your hair. <laughs> but it, he is also maybe a little bit more... Yeah, I just, I mean, thanks for trying, Hermione. I know. I know, we're just like, oh, Hermione, you're a bad actor. We love you. (laughs) It was kind of cute, though. Right? I mean, it really was. You're like, oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Now, well, and keep that in mind for book seven, where she does do some other acting. I don't even, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I do. Okay. Listeners, you may know what we're talking about, too, but I'm going to save everything that I have for that moment, because it's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. So. We all grow. (laughs) <laughs> game. Game. Oh, Ooh. right. Game before movie. Beer before watch, liquor. I did not watch that. Game. We're playing Mad Lips. Yay! Because Roxanne hasn't Mad Lips yet. Yes. Oh, God. I feel pressured. Oh, no. It's fine. No, it'll be fine. This so, is one of the funnest ones. Yeah, I think. so I'm not telling you what what section of the chapter this is, of course, but we're going to fill in the stuff. Okay. Uh, so, I need an expletive. Fuck. I mean, is there any other one? <laughs> it's the one I say most often. Golly gee willikers. Okay. I need <laughs> a verb 
plus ing. Pooping. Are we gonna alternate? Yeah. Okay. Um, a body part. Penis? You get all the good ones. <laughs> I got a verb. Okay, a noun, a plural noun. Chicken nuggets. <laughs> I have to do it in every single one. A uh, plural noun, another one. Do chicken nuggets again. <laughs> Come on, Lexi. Uh, well, now I can't think because that's... <laughs> okay, chicken nuggets again. Yes! <laughs> I got thrown off. Every time it's a plural note, it has to be chicken nuggets. <laughs> oh, please don't. You're, there are other this things. is tampering with the witness. It, it definitely has to happen in every one at least once. Uh, verb. A past tense verb. I don't know why this came to my mind, but milked. Like milking okay. a cow. Eh. With this motion. Hey, Roxanna. Body part. Again? Ass? <laughs> want me to give you a last name yep. too? Yes. Butthole. Okay. I was looking for an actual name. <laughs> How do you know butthole isn't an actual okay. name? Okay. <laughs> it's fine. I love it. Okay. Um, Maybe it's a Gibbons butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Gibbons and butthole is the name of the shop. I'm going to tell you right now. A verb. Past tense verb. Walked. A verb. Swim. A verb plus ing. Smiling. Sorry, I thought it was good. This is a butthole. Tacos. No, taco Christmas ornaments. Because Tara has his taco Christmas <laughs> ornament hanging from her ceiling. I, I think Pam Matthews gave me that. Did Pam Matthews give you everything in this apartment? <laughs> I can finally display the things that Pam Matthews has given me over the last eight years of our friendship or however long we've known each other. And now. Airplane. I don't know why, but I'm like, good one. <laughs> it's random. I know. And now. <sighs> baby sheep. Aww. <laughs> you mean a baby lamb? Well, baby lamb. Baby animals. And one more now. Car. Gibbons and Butthole. If this is what I'm thinking, Jesus that's the name Christ. of this episode. Here we go. Gibbons and Butthole. Okay. Fuck, bellowed Malfoy, pooping her penis away. <laughs> yeah, that's what that looks are for. That's what that looks are for. That sentence. Watch where you're putting your chicken nuggets, woman. Mother, I don't think I want these anymore. He pulled the chicken nuggets over his head and milked them on the floor at Madame Malkin's ass. <laughs> you're right, Draco, said Narcissa with a contemptuous glance at Hermione. Now I know the kind of squirrel that shops here. We'll do better at Gibbons and Butthole. <laughs> yes! Amazing. <laughs> and with that, the pair of them walked out of the shop. 
Malfoy taking care to swim as hard as he could into Ron on his way out. Well, really, said Madame Malkin, smiling up to the fallen taco Christmas ornaments and moving the tip of her airplane over them like a baby lamb, so it removed all the cars. Jesus Christ. Okay, I also really like... I don't want these chicken nuggets, woman! <laughs> said no one ever! Watch where you're putting your chicken nuggets. That's what it is. Yeah. Watch where you're putting those chicken nuggets. <laughs> this game is like my favorite thing that I just came up with out of nowhere, and I'm like, I'm obsessed. Yes, I feel like we're going to see a lot of Mad Libs this season, for sure. Well done, Tara. Very fun. Well done, friends. You guys are funny. So the movie is mostly the joke shop. Yeah. It, the joke shop looks really cool in the movie. Really cool. Yes. They really do touch on, like, all of the different little things. They mention the puking pastels. They have, like, the trick cauldrons or I whatever they're called. Potions. I love potions. So yeah. that was something that was also in the book. And it's funny because when we were watching the movie, I was like, ah, yes, love potions is, like, intro to Lavender Brown being all over Ron. And then in the movie, like two seconds later, she's there and she's like, hello, one, one. She doesn't say that, but like, it's something like, hey, I well, like you know, gingers. She doesn't give him a love potion, but all connected, I think. Yeah, it's all connected. Yeah. yeah. I think it looks really cool. Like they go in, they've got the hats, you know, like the, the whatever on top of the building that's got the hat. Yeah. And, and the rabbit really disappears cool. inside. Rabbit. Yeah. And I love the little bit with Ron. And, you know, he's like, how much is this? The five galleons. How much for me? I'm your brother. And then the ten galleons. Yeah. And it's so funny. It's a really fun little scene. They were asked Jenny about love potions. Mm-hmm. And Dean Thomas. And Dean Thomas. And we're all like, Dean Thomas is hot as fuck. So. Yeah. And she even says, none of your business, motherfucker. Agree. She's badass. There was one thing at the very end of the scene that where I was like, what is that? And it looked almost like a vending machine with a dragon inside. I, I wish don't I could buy a dragon out of a vending machine. So this is what came to my mind. You know when you go to like Dave and Buster's and there's those coin pusher things? Mm-hmm. That's what it made me think of. But mm-hmm. the dragon was like breathing fire on the coins. Obviously that's not what it was. And then it really quickly transitions into the scene with Nocturne Alley. And there's like no dialogue. It feels like... They're just, they see Draco. They're just they're snooping. Sno- exactly. Yeah, stop following him. That's annoying. Like, they have no reason to actually follow right. him in the movie, because there was no Adam Malkins. Yeah. Because the whole thing was like, oh, he's there without Narcissa. Yeah, and they're like, right, what's that about? So unless it's like, oh, there's Draco, why is he going into Nocturne Alley? Because at the very least, the movie does set up the whole thing, and it is right before this, I think, because the sequence is off, where... They're at Snape's, and Lucy's in prison, and all of that. Yeah. And Bellatrix is being a horn dog. Fucking Bellatrix. That's what she wishes everyone would do. <clears throat> but other than that, I think the movie's pretty smooth. Yeah, I think... Yeah. Roxanna, you were saying something, like, you were like, is this one of the dark movies, or whatever? <laughs> Here's the thing, in general, I just feel like these movies are, like, visually dark. They are. And so, but like, Nocturne Alley is darker. difficult to watch sometimes. Yeah. Literally because... If I'm watching it in the daylight, I cannot see details. I know. So yeah. there's that. That's a frustrating thing. Yeah, I think it does. Seven, I, it does the job needed for yeah. the chapter. So. Yeah. Yep. Well, here are my points for this chapter. No surprise. Plus twenty to friend George because it's kind of their totally. chapter. To each of them. To each of them, yes. And then plus fifteen also to Madame Malkin. 
Because she also is like, we ain't gonna be racist in my store, motherfuckers. And then also plus me and 15 to Hagrid. Yeah. I also gave plus 10 to Harry, yeah. uh, who, who is the Quidditch captain, mostly for that. But also plus 10 to Lupin. There is a very brief oh, moment yeah. mention of Lupin yeah. and how he's like kind of haggard and like you can tell that he's been stressed and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's going through it. I mean, they haven't really set anything up, but Tonks obviously was in this book previously for this chapter all that. So there's kind of like some rumblings towards that. And then I did, even though it was, like, pretty awful, <laughs> but I gave Hermione five for going into Morgan and Burks, because that took some bravery. Yeah, she was saying. She did a thing. It was a valiant effort. It was valiant, at the very least. <laughs> and then uh, I also gave plus five to Florian and Ollivander, because they are either dead or hopefully not dead, but um, kidnapped. I can't remember. You know Ollivander. Ollivander is not dead. Yes, but. yes. And then negative 10, I did take the previous points I gave to Narcissa away. So she's at zero now for threatening a child. Threatening a child, yeah. And then negative 30 to Draco because your dick is microscopic, honey. Don't be acting like you got Madame Maxime's schlong swinging between your legs. If it was, (laughs) it would be dragging on the floor, you little tiny boy. (laughs) Next time... Roxana will still be here, but we will not be discussing Chapter 7 yet. No. So, we'll find out what that episode is about next week. It'll be a surprise. Surprise. Till then, snitches, we love you. I thought it was going to be until then, snitches. Pay your taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a message? What do you want the snitches to do? Mm, Go vote. That (laughs) very much that. Vote blue, too. Yeah, vote blue. If you're voting any other color... Why are you here? <laughs> yeah, this might not have been the I'm podcast not sure for how you. You're still listening <laughs> yeah, to how'd podcast. you get this far? <laughs> vote blue. Oh. Alright, peace out. Bye. Bye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!